Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. We're just going to be talking around Acts chapter 2 verse 42. In a moment I'm going to read from these, from these verses. And the reason why we've planned it is because we want to just help you to understand what we need to prioritise in our lives. I know many of you have been Christians here for 20, 30, 40 years. You know the Bible inside out. You know how to pray. You know how to fast. But there's some of you who may not know as much around that. And, 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 and we want to help you. But I believe that even if you've been a Christian for many years or you know, if you've recently come to faith, this message will just light a fire stir something in all of our hearts because we see the early church we get a picture in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2 and there's a phrase that's used about them was that they devoted themselves or they committed themselves to four particular values four particular principles now before we read into it I just want to say some things these were not systematic things that they said we must do A, B, C, D and then we'll get God's favour these were signs of life This was not a system of life. These were signs of life. It was just an automatic thing that they did. They just said to themselves, these are the things that we want to do. Why? Because they had now come into an incredible relationship with Jesus. There was literally thousands of people on one day. This is what we talk about, our move of God. Through a very, very simple gospel message, but a very powerful gospel message delivered by one of the disciples, Peter, And it was called on the day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit was poured out on that day. And on that one day, there was literally, it it, it estimates there was over 3,000 people that gave their lives to Jesus. They stepped into him because he said, Jesus is both Savior and Lord. And they made him Savior and Lord of their life. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on a group of 120. And something remarkable began to happen. Dean, there was a fire that was lit in hearts. It was almost like God got the match and threw it on people's hearts. It was remarkable. And what sprung out of them was just so immediate. It was so, so uh, organic. It was so responsive. Because there was four particular things, and we'll read about it, that they gave themselves to. It wasn't like there was a disciple pleading with Vanessa, oh, please give yourself to these things. These are going to really help you. It was just an automatic thing that happened in the ensuing days and weeks. They committed themselves and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We'll come to that. Which, for our phrase, we're going to talk about the Word of God. Because that's what the apostles knew. They knew the the Scriptures of old, the Hebrew that they'd been brought up in with. And they knew the teachings of Jesus. Jesus had taught them. So this was God's Word. They devoted themselves to the words of God, to the words of Jesus. They also gave themselves to prayer. And we'll talk about that again today. They also gave themselves to this word called, it's a Greek word called koinonia, which means fellowship. It's an old-fashioned word in many ways that we often use even from the platform that's not really used in the English language of fellowship. A better word is friendship, relationship. They were just intricately involved in each other's lives. They were opening the doors of their homes and just connected with one another. This is where small groups comes in. Not that we're asking you to just knock on Des and Sue's door. We're not even knocking, just walk 
straight in. We're not asking you to do that. But they're just that when you, those who are part of Des and Sue and those who are part of the other small groups, you know, there's, there's Mike and Maggie and, and Marie's uh, small group and there's others around. And, and we always get in trouble when I just mention one or two because there's lots of you who run small groups. But when you open your homes, people rush in and this fellowship, this connection. I love nothing more to hear of when people aren't well in small groups and people are making meals for them in the group. People are praying for one another. This is the kind of fellowship that they were committed to. And then the fourth thing that they gave themselves to was breaking of bread. And next week, we're going to specifically talk about fellowship. Josh is going to be here and he's going to be preaching about fellowship and about the breaking of bread. And it's interesting, this breaking of bread was very much at the heart of what they did. They just broke bread together. It was, it was the centralization of their faith. This, this, this was at the very heart of who, who, who they loved, who they were committed to. They were recognizing the death and the resurrection life of Jesus. And, they, and it was a meal that they undertook with one another. And they gave themselves to those things. Let's read on what actually happened. So if you've got your Bible in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, it'll be on the screen, screen through to 47. It says this, they committed themselves. This is this church that had just was gathering <laughs> and they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, which is what I said, the word of God. If you're taking notes, the word of God, they were committed to the life together, which was the fellowship They were committed to the common meal, which was the breaking of bread and to prayer. And verse 43, and everyone around was in awe. Everybody say awe. They were just like, wow, what is happening? This is the most amazing thing ever. I don't know whether you've ever had a gift and it's taking your breath away. You thought, wow, this is amazing. This is what they were like. This is the most amazing thing that has happened They were filled with awe. Everyone was filled with awe. And all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. It was miracles that were taking place. I had a real sense. I'm so glad that Josh prayed. A real sense and I felt it. Particularly for those who are sick this morning. Particularly for those who feel bound. As you raise your hands that God has touched you. We're going to believe in this season. We've always believed it. We've always preached it. We've always declared it. That God is not just the God of salvation. He's the God of healing. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of breakthrough. Do you believe that? And like we've heard, it may be that you've prayed a hundred times. Well, let's keep praying another hundred times. Let's believe together for God to do those signs and wonders. And it says there, and all the believers lived in wonderful harmony. That talks about unity. That talks about that real genuine warmth and authenticity. And they held everything in common. And they sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. There wasn't people in, there, in that community who had need. If there's somebody who had no food, we made sure they were fed. If there's people who didn't have a house, you know, somewhere to sleep, we made sure they had a house to sleep in. If they needed transportation, we made sure we got them there. And we don't have to do that in a community. There are some Christians who've done that and they've thought we've had to sell everything and literally go and buy a stately manor and all live together. And every time that's done, there's been chaos. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that heart connection that says, listen, what I have is, is mine, but I'm just a steward of it. So the car I have, the house I have, the money I have, the food I have, we're just stewards of it. 
Verse 46 to 47, and it says, And they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. And people in general liked what they saw. I love that phrase. And every day their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. There was just... It was not a driven thing. It was not a pressured thing. It was not you must, a system, an order. It was a a genuine sign of life as they committed themselves and as they devoted themselves. I want to say this kind of next two weeks that we're talking about is we're trying to present these four areas that are paramount and have been central to our church for such a long time. So it's not as though we're preaching something new. You've heard this if you've been around this church for a long time. But we just want you to again, over these next two weeks, say, say, look, these are central to us. And actually they're our joy. They're our privilege. We do these with gladness and exuberance and with joy. So just to break them down very quickly. It says they devoted themselves, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. I want to say if you are this morning depressed, if you are sick, if you are at loss, if you feel abandoned, if you feel vulnerable, if you feel aimless, if you are disappointed, if you feel like you are downtrodden, if you feel like the world has has been against you, if you feel like you're defeated, then this book is everything you need. Can I say that again? This book is everything you need. I was reading it this morning again. I was reading it this morning again. I'm telling you, it filled my heart with such, it just washed over me. I I just wrote in my journal, God, this is exactly what I needed to read this morning. This, This word will help you. And there's four particular areas just for the notes because many of you say, well, where are the notes? Because I just feel like I could talk for a little while, but I want to just give you something that you can hang on. Because this word of God, this apostle's teaching is, is so much to us. And there's four things, there's many things I could have identified, but there's four things I just wanted to identify with today that I think will help people. And why we want to encourage you to this be a, a source of life to you. This is why we'd encourage you to every day read the word. This is why we'd encourage you just to take some time. You may not be a great reader. That, that, there's no excuses really because sometimes when I'm in the shower, I'll literally put on version Bible and it reads it to me. And I can listen. I'm sometimes in the car and I think I'm not going to listen to any music. I'm not going to listen to any podcast. I'm going to listen to the word of God. And so I'll just put the word of God and I'll just let it run. And you think, well, what's happening there? I'm telling you, it's washing over you. Forget some of the stuff that we're watching and reading. Let's get into this, this book, the Bible. And this book will so help us. So four things I think that it will help us with. Let's just turn to Proverbs 30 verse 5 because some of you have leaned in and you're taking notes. And I also want to read from another verse and then I'm going to make a statement what I believe the word of God can help us with. So Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this, every word of God is flawless. Everybody say flawless. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. This flawlessness is without fault. It's without contradiction. It says in Psalm 33 verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right 
and true. Everybody say right and true. The word of the Lord is right and true. We've taught all our children to, to speak on it. I say to them all the time, honesty is always the best policy. Always be truthful. And I want to say this book, the Bible, is right and true. My, my statement that I would make is this. It's flawless. It's eternal. That means it will never dissipate. It will never disappear. There was a time in history when people were trying to burn this book. They were trying to get it off the shelves. They were trying to stop it from getting into people's hearts and and into their minds. There was a time when only the intellectual people could read it. But I want to say nothing could stop it. Nothing could stop it. God's word is eternal. It's flawless. It's without contradiction. I use this phrase, it's true north. Sometimes when you don't know what to do, sometimes when you're a bit undecided, it's like the compass point, it takes you exactly where you need to go. (laughs) It's trustworthy and it can be relied on. Oh my goodness, we will all face challenges in 2018. Not Not sure where to go. This book will help you. This book will help you. You've just got to begin to open the pages. There's no life in it as it just remains on the side of your bed. There's no life in it as it remains on your bookshelf. The life comes as we begin to read it. The second thing I want to say is from Psalm 119 verse 105. And it says there, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. I want to say this word gives illumination and direction. It provides insight and wisdom. My wife and I know numbers of you love camping. My wife can't stand camping. She, she needs antibacterial and everything. You know, it's just antibacterial. I mean, I am as well. She just antibacterial wipes me down and just squirting the thing. Even if I don't, I don't want it. Do you have it? Holding me down. You know. Bleach. You know. <laughs> And we went camping when we took a group of young people away. Um, one of my pastor friends is here, Dave and Jeanette. And um, I think you're actually two of their boys might have been on the camp uh, with, with me at the time. And it was Soul Survivor in its early days. Who's ever been to Soul Survivor? Okay, a few of you. Well, thank God. Okay. <laughs> we went to this Christian camp called Soul Survivor. And can you believe it? We did camping and they put us in the muckiest, dirtiest field ever and it was full of cow pats and it was the furthest point away from the shower block this is no word of a lie Caroline and I went to the showers at three o'clock in the morning because they were absolutely filthy and they cleaned them about half past two and we made sure we were there for three even then she was you know what you mean I wanted to sleep no we're going to the shower come on after the shower the point that I want to make very quickly was this as we was navigating our way through the darkness, there was no light. She was in a farmer's field with cowpats everywhere. I am so thankful for a torch. We were dodging, Carl. We were, we were, like, we were, we were doing the okie-cokie. Can we go, you know, trying to dodge around these cowpats? And this torch was a light to us. And this is what the Bible says. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. You might feel there's dangers and toils. I want to tell you this Bible will help you. There might be some temptation that comes you. Well, this Bible will keep you centered. This Bible will keep you strong. This Bible will encourage your spirits in the midst of dismay and not sure what to do. It's his word that will help us. But also, 
we see very clearly that Jesus says this in Matthew in chapter 4. Thirdly, and verse 4, Jesus answered Satan when he was tempted and he said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, this book doesn't just illuminate us and provides insight, but this word nourishes our soul. The real you. I'm not talking about your body. We have already know that. Some of us do need to, me included, a good health check in these coming weeks to get back on track. But what about the real you, the nourishing of your soul? You see, we can't live on bread alone. We live on every word that is spoken from the mouth of God. If we will get in this book, it will nourish your soul. Your soul will be nourished. The real you will be nourished. The real you will be helped. The real you will be given direction. Like I said, if you feel depressed, that's the real you. You feel depressed inside and no amount of help can help get yourself out of it. That doesn't work or try and watch a funny movie. It lasts for a moment and then it's gone. It's the word of God that will nourish your soul, that will help you and encourage you and strengthen you. Can I hear a big amen? Whatever we're going through, this is what God's word is to us. That's why they devoted themselves to it. And fourthly, it talks about in Joshua in chapter 1 verse 8. He uses this phrase, the book of the law, which again, I'm not playing with words, but it's God's word. It says this, this, this word of God, this book of the law, always keep it on your lips. Everybody do that. I've always known for having big lips. Caroline reminded me, it's mostly, as the older you get, your lips shrink. So I'm going to be all right. I'll probably be about right by the time I'm 90. This, our lips. Everybody do it. Am I the only one who's doing it? Our mouths. It says, keep this word of God always on your lip, always on your mouth. And then I want you to do this. Just do this as well. It says meditate. Meditate in your heart. I was reading this morning, may the meditations of your heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to me. Psalm, Psalm 19. May the words and may the meditations. And he says, and if you'll do this, this book of the law, allow God's word to be on your lips and on your heart and you think about it, you regurgitate it. Then this is what it says. And you're careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and then you'll be successful. Let me just clarify this prosperity. It means that you'll advance. It means you'll make progress. Who wants to make progress this year? Who wants to leave behind the old stuff? Come on, who wants to leave behind the old stuff? Who wants to really make progress in God this this year? Who wants to make progress with your family? Who wants to make progress in your work and in your business? This is what he says. If you'll allow this and the meditations, then you'll make progress. You'll be prosperous. And this word successful means you'll be prudent and wise. You'll have a discerning heart. If there's ever a time when I need discernment, it's now. Just before Christmas, talk about some of the issues that are facing the church of Jesus Christ. Many hot potato subjects. Boy, oh boy, we need prudence. We need wisdom to remain absolutely resolute, standing on the word of God, but doing it in a way that's just... Not pushing people away and not hateful and, and hurtful. And it says that if you'll do that, 
If you'll, you'll do that with the word of God, then that's exactly what will happen. My point is this. It's an invitation to prosperity and success. So very quickly, this book, if you haven't got a Bible, we'll make sure you've got one. Literally, come and grab me at the end and I'll make sure that I get you a Bible. Okay? If we haven't got them here. But those who have got the Bible, can I encourage you to do something with it? The last couple of years, I haven't read the Bible in one year, actually, because I've just felt like it's not where I wanted to be. But this year, I'm going through the Bible in one year. That's my plan. That's my plan of attack. That's what I'm thinking through. I'm not saying you have to do that. But what I am saying is get in the Bible. If it's early in the morning, get in the Bible. If it's during your lunch break, get in the Bible. If it's at the close of business at night, just get in the Bible. If you're not a great reader, read a few verses and listen to some verses. Hello? Just get a plan. Let this book be everything that I've just declared because that's exactly what wants to to happen. And by the way, Jesus is the living word. As you read this book, Jesus will become real to you. You might say, I don't know Jesus. I'm telling you, as you read these pages, Jesus will reveal himself to you. Jesus is the book. He is the living word. (laughs) But the second thing that they devoted themselves to was also to prayer. Oh my goodness. Who finds prayer easy? No, not many people do. I, I, I don't find it easy. And yet, who finds talking easy? Just give me a wave if you find talking. Yeah, I know some of you do. I don't want to be rude. Hello. You know what prayer is? It's a conversation. That's all it is. I get very frustrated with myself, you know, because sometimes I find myself using words to, to God, to Jesus, that I wouldn't normally use with Josh or with Dean. I think, why is that? We, we, we've, we've almost become programmed to use different words. Listen, prayer is a conversation. I remember uh, Eric, who was the pastor here uh, before I, he used to say, pray as you can, not as you think you ought to. Uh, and, and it's so true. Now, if you're really intellectual and you use big words, fair play to you. But looking around of you, most of you don't. don't. Um, I'm having some fun with you. You just need livening up, some of you. Okay, you really do. You need, if, if I get, stand up to your feet if you're able to and just turn to the person next to you and say, I'm really enjoying this morning. Go on, I'm really enjoying. It's brilliant. Great, come on. Get yourself moving. There we are. Now you can see yourself down a little bit more. Prayer. It's a conversation. See, you've all done it now and I'm not trying to pull you back in. You find that easy. That's as simple as what prayer is. It's that conversation. As we get up in the morning, God, I don't feel great this morning. You're going to need to really help me. He hears that. God, I've got this big meeting that I'm not looking forward to. Would you help me? Or Jesus, this morning's wonderful. Just bless this day. Just the first thing that's on your, on your, on your lips. Just the first, the first thing that comes out of your mouth. And just take moments throughout the day 
you know, some of you to try and develop a plan, a bit of a discipline, might need to just pencil a little bit of time early morning or again lunchtime or whenever it's convenient. Because that will help you. But I don't want to make it a system. Because my relationship with Caroline is not a system. I tell you what, as soon as I make it a system, I'm in trouble. Anybody married here and know what I'm talking about? Well, I have to talk. This man's very bold. He's just waved his hand over, you know, and he's just got a nudge from his wife as well. Tell you what, you're a bold chap, you are. But thank you for your honesty. Yeah, for I understand. I understand. I understand. <laughs> it's a relationship. It's a conversation. And this is what he says about prayer. I was really, as I was preparing, I was just struck by these words. And I was last year and I am again. In Isaiah 55 and verse 6, I'm going to read it from the message, but it's as powerful from, you know, the more traditional um, versions. It says, seek God while he's here to be found. Pray to him while he's close at hand. We do need a move of God in this nation. We do need a move of God in this nation. We saw lots of people over Christmas time, but we are just, we're not even scratching the surface. And it just feels like, you know, Jesus is shining brighter and brighter, but the, just, the world feels darker and darker. Anybody resonate with that? It just feels like it. I mean, everything pushed against us. And the Lord's encouragement to us here at Arena Church is, seek me while you can find me. Pray to me. While you're close at hand. In these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. Some of you are hearing me and, and you're, not, you're, not, you're not really resonating. You just sat there. I want to just challenge you now. God, if you commit yourself in whatever shape or form, it may be I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss my lunch or I'm going to turn off the television to pray while I'm normally having the meal, whatever. Because that's the whole thing. It's not just missing meals. It's about praying, taking that time to seek the Lord. As you do that, I'm telling you, and you'll do it consistently, the Lord is going to come close to you. Some of you might not even know the Lord. The Lord's going to come really, really close to you. And I believe in this 21 days arena church, if we will give ourselves to this, then the Lord is going to come close at hand because he wants to connect with his people. And he wants to whisper his secrets. He wants to show you what you should be doing. He wants to show you the way. And he'll say, go walk in it. And this is what happens as we pray and as we seek the Lord. Matthew 6 verse 7 says this, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors, but actually they're prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Or this is what it says in the New Living Translation. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are merely answered, sorry, answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. Another version talks about people with long-winded words. I've already mentioned that, alluded to that. Thinking that they're going to gain God's favor by using big and, you know, extravagant words. Jesus says, don't be like them. Your father, and if there's anybody who knew, his fa- who knew the father, it was Jesus. He says, my dad, my father, knows exactly what you need 
even before you ask him. So this is how I want you to pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. We're inviting God's kingdom here on earth. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today everything that we need, the food that we need. Give us it today, Lord, and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And there's many people who have sinned against you. Release forgiveness to them. And don't let us yield to temptation. Oh, my goodness. It's not just blokes. It's women as well. There's so much temptation around. Yes? Cake. Chocolate. Too much television. There's no young, people, young kids in here. Too much sex. Hello? Sexual imagery. Watching inappropriate things. Filling our minds full of nonsense. This is the temptation. It's very real. What does it say? Don't let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. I'm not about to break it down because of time. But there's so much in that prayer that is so helpful for every single person. I want to just give you four things very quickly that I see from that prayer. There is peace with prayer. If you're in turmoil, there is peace. It comes in prayer. As I pray, Brindley, I I, I can be all at sea. But as I'm praying, as I enter into that place of prayer, there's just a peace that just washes over me. You know, there is not just peace with prayer, there is provision from prayer. We've read it today. Give us today the food that we need. There's provision. Whatever you need, the Lord is able to provide if we come with a good heart. It might not be at the time you want it, and that's part of the problem. Because we, we led into the thing that God's going to do it. We've been, we've been this whole year with the Aviva claim. Yeah. We've been longing for it to be done. We need it to be done. But it's not, there's, a, there's a timing issue here and we're going to trust God with the timing. Can I hear a big amen? But I know he's going to provide for us. I know he's going to meet the need. There is protection in prayer. If you're fearful... If you're fearful of the night, if you're fearful of the dark, if you're fearful of your future, there is protection in prayer. Don't yield to that temptation. And there is power through prayer. I'll never forget one of the first messages I ever preached at Arena Church. This lady was not here. She was only here for two weeks. I don't even know who she is. And if you're here and I can't remember, then please forgive me for using the illustration. But she said, you're power mad you are. I went, what are you on about? Because I've been talking about the power of God. The power of God to deliver. And I've always thought about that. And when I use the, these words, when I write it down, I always feel like I should shrink back. It's one of those things that the Lord, you know, the, sorry, the enemies use. But I'm telling you today, there is power through prayer. And by the way, I'm not power mad. I recognize his power is at work in us and he's able to do the immeasurably more. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> 
There is peace with prayer. There is provision from prayer. There is protection in prayer. There is power through prayer. And just while I finish off, I want to say the word of God is like the seed. There's so much we could talk about this. Jesus tells some stories about the seed of God's word. It's like a seed that's planted. And what happens is if it's planted in good soil, in deep soil, and it's watered, it'll grow. And that's what's happened in all your hearts here today. But there's some seed that goes on the rocky paths, or there's some seed that hasn't been planted deep enough, and the birds of the air come and steal it away. It talks about the cares of this world, just rob it away. But I believe that God's word is like a seed. And as we read it, it's planted in our hearts. But I know that without water, the seed won't grow. And prayer is like the water that just waters the seed. As we, as we lay the word in our hearts and as we pray, there's water that just pours out upon it. And this begins to grow. Oh, I'm getting excited now, Tim. Oh, I can feel it very much. This is what's going to happen over 21 days. As you commit yourself to praying and as you commit yourself to the prayer, I'm telling you, something's beginning, going to begin to happen in your heart. Something's going to begin to grow. Do you believe it in Jesus' name? Oh, my goodness. This is what happened. And they devoted themselves to all these things. No wonder the Lord did amazing things amongst them. As I finish, because we are in this season of fasting. It didn't say that they devoted themselves to fasting, but I just want to say, again, as a reminder... Prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And uh, there's an incredible power as we fast. And basically fasting is just, you know, not allowing the body to rule. Now I know some go down the media fast and I get that. But principally I think there's something very powerful about food and nourishment. And, you know, I know some of you can't do it for health reasons and you literally can't, you're diabetic or you're on medication or whatever. But I'm just asking us to just engage in this next 21 days of saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of something to lean into God. So, you know, for, 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 for some people, all the luxuries of food, I'm going to let go of. And we're just going to go down the whole Daniel principle, the prophet Daniel who just went to vegetables and salad and water. And I'm going to do it because I'm going to, the body is not going to dictate to me. I'm placing you, God, front and central. And it's in the prayer journals that you'll be able to get on the end. You see what happened to Daniel, that God did an incredible breakthrough in 21 days. Jesus himself, he literally went without food. For 40 days. I've got a friend of mine who did it. He said it was the most painful, most remarkable experience he's ever done. I've never done a 40-day fast. I've never had the guts, the heart to do it. Uh, And who knows, in the days ahead, that might be what's called of me. But for this 21 days, that's not the case. But for Jesus, he literally gave up everything. And we see what happened is that the Holy Spirit came to him and there was authority now upon his words and there was incredible miracles that took place after that 40 days. What I really want to encourage you is to devote yourself to the word of God and to prayer and also see this combination of fasting 
So we're just leaning to God. We believe for something. We're not just believing it for here, you know. I'm believing it for you. He won't mind me. Sean sent me an email. It was lovely. On the back of what I said last week, if you're fasting, let me know, which he did. And he just said one or two personal details to him of what he's going to do. And then he just said, I just said, sent him another email and he sent me back with some information. And I says, I will be praying for your breakthrough. Yeah. Now, we ain't in crisis, but he just needs a breakthrough in a particular area. This is not just for Arena Church. This is for you and your families. Yeah. Mike won't mind me saying this, but his, his sister needs a breakthrough. People in America are praying. There's people here who are praying. She's had a big operation. We're believing for a breakthrough. We're believing for a breakthrough in your families. Yeah in your kids, in your grandkids, I'd ask you that you would join with us and let's commit ourselves to this journey and believe God for the immeasurably more. I wonder if we bow our heads for a moment in prayer.